The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk. Pat Kenny Show with Anton in for Pat. The Taoiseach is among 20 EU leaders who are going to travel to Paris today to reaffirm support for Ukraine. The meeting was called at uh, late notice with concerns about an escalation in Russian activity last week. Meanwhile, the IDF, the Israeli Defence Forces, are looking at plans to evacuate civilians from areas of fighting in Gaza. To discuss these, I'm joined by Special Advisor to the head of the Bosnia Peacekeeping Mission, part of the UK mission to Kosovo in 99, now CEO of the Henderson Risk Group, Duncan Bullivant. Duncan, good morning. Good morning to you. It's, it's hardly the united front that the EU and others would want in terms of this meeting, given the absence of Hungary and Slovakia. Yes, it's, uh, it's more than an annoyance. It's actually, from a strategic point of view, very, very worrying indeed. And I think the EU's inability to present a totally unified front is, is an inevitability. And, and I think we need to look at the origins of that. And if you go back, go back 15, 20 years it was it was actually a, it was a, it was a it was a uk policy to broaden and expand the eu to a point where it would effectively um fail to operate as a as a single political unit it was a cynical move and it actually had has had the desired effect which of course benefits um vladimir putin but does not benefit the ukrainian people at this stage The intent of this meeting, it was called at at late notice by French President Emmanuel Macron, the idea is that it will reaffirm and to some extent re-energise Europe's and the EU's commitment to support of Ukraine. Yes, I think, and it's, and it's, it's not without time. There needs to be a refocus, there needs to be a recommitment. But actually, the reality is that in Ukraine, what they need is ammunition. They need artillery ammunition, they need... Uh, more aircraft, and they need greater access to the complex weapon systems that were designed 30 years ago to defeat the Soviet Union in the field. The political commitments and the political will of the EU to support Ukraine is very, very important. It's an important part of the package, but it doesn't detract from what is needed now in Ukraine, which is not weasel words, but actually ammunition, boxes of artillery ammunition delivered at pace. In that context, how significant is the U.S. political stalemate around funding for Ukraine? It's very significant, and I think it's having a very, very significant strategic impact on morale within the Ukrainian camp, who can actually now see the spectre of what life looks like when the United States catches a cold over its commitment to military support. I think it's also worth noting at this point that there are still bilateral donations of ammunition going into Ukraine. But, you know, the US is 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 not the primary donor anymore. It's it's the EU plus the UK and others that that that, that tip the balance. So whilst the US is essential, and obviously for political reasons, not least of which is leadership in NATO, whilst the US is essential in leading the way in terms of equipment and ammunition supply. It is not the only player. If anything comes out of this Paris meeting, uh, let let us hope that it is actually taking the brakes off the supply and the mobilisation of of Europe's and the United States uh, industrial base to really help the Ukrainians finish the job. Because at the moment, it's in the balance. Although it all seems to be happening, uh, Duncan, to what, to my inexpert eye, looks like a context where Russia is doing a very good job in the propaganda battle 
Russia's always active in the, in the propaganda field and has invested heavily in social media uh, campaigns, in, in, in soft politics globally uh, and, and soft influence globally. And, and of course, I'm, I'm afraid to say, is, is, is not immune to barefaced lies. So I think if you're looking at taking on Russia in, 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 in terms of its, its global uh, perception, to, to, to actually suggest that Russia is somehow winning at the moment on the ground in Ukraine is a, is, a, is a big leap forward. These are not strategic gains that Russia is making in the field, and they have been gained at the expense of thousands of lives, admittedly most of them conscripted and many of them drawn from prisons in the east of the country, but it is the you know the the blood cost to Russia for these limited tactical gains is is enormous. Now the military leadership in Ukraine are aware that these are tactical gains, but of course this is in many ways a battle of wills. Putin is waiting for the West to lose interest and for the for the West as he would see it to not have the moral courage to follow through in support of Ukraine. And the Ukrainians are, are rather hoping that their friends and allies in the West see sense very soon and let them finish the job. But that's the issue. What does finish the job look like? Meanwhile, then, if we look to Israel and Gaza, there, there are reports that there, there may be um, some deal potentially on the cards. Uh, and uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has said that a ground invasion of the city of Rafah is, is likely to be necessary. And that, of course, could have huge humanitarian implications. Well, yes, I mean, Netanyahu, depending on which, on which source you, you, you take, Netanyahu is, is, is indicating that an assault on Rafa is going to happen regardless of the hostage release situation and regardless of any ceasefire deal which is put in place for what looks like the, the month of, of, of Ramadan. But I think more importantly, you need to look at what's going on behind the scenes now in terms of the Israeli government. They've just the Knesset are about to vote on an eighty-five percent increase in their defense budget. Twenty uh, percent of Israel's uh, um, national product of their of their of their national budget in the future will, will be spent on defense, nearly doubled. They are digging. The Israelis are digging in for what they see as a long-term security threat, and dealing with the situation in Rafa as far as the coalition cabinet is concerned. And we all are well aware that Netanyahu speaks for and is part of a, of a more right, radical right wing tradition. But if, we, if you look at the long term uh, stability and long term uh, security demands of the Israeli state at this moment, it does not see Hamas emerging unscathed or intact from Rafa. It's, it's, that's, that's not part of the deal. And that's an issue because obviously both the Iranians and to a certain degree uh, other uh, Arab supporters in the region do not want to see Hamas removed from the table completely because it means that they, don't, they have nobody left to negotiate with. And what will it mean for the men, women and children in Gaza? We're at the point now of what we've crossed 13,000 um, children killed, tens of thousands of uh, civilians and the UN describing it as a man-made disaster and warning about uh, famine. Well, the United Nations are indicating that they actually haven't been able to get any meaningful aid into into um, Gaza since the end of January. Just just imagine that, and it was pretty limited before then. 
I think what it what it means is more misery, more death. I, I I've always maintained that the IDF as an organization uh, is a moral organization and and is not is is not deliberately going out of its way to kill innocent women and children and and men for that matter. You know, the civilians are not being deliberately targeted, but it is an inevitability. It's a highly densely populated part of the world. You know, the the the, the comments at the moment are that they can leave Rafa and move further north in, into the into the northern part of Gaza, which is largely lawless, highly dangerous. It, there's 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 fairly indiscriminate shelling and 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 and, and fighting going on between elements of the IDF and, and and Hamas. I mean, the the idea that if you're sitting in Rafa and you feel it's safe, and then you're you're asked to move into an area which you know is not safe. Is is macabre and, and 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 frankly very disturbing, and I think the United States is 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 very concerned about about global opinions and support for Israel going forward. The Israelis, I think, feel well. The Israelis, the current government, feel that they have a job to finish and that they have the moral right to to to, to launch an assault on Rafa. Whether we see the Rafa inv- the Rafa um, campaign as a bargaining chip. To actually get the, the release of all the Israeli hostages and, and to see some form of, of, of longer term ceasefire remains to be seen. I think it's on the cards. I think it is possible that a long term sustained ceasefire could be part of the deal that's, that's come out of Paris over the weekend. There are certainly indications that, that the, the cabinet in, in, in Israel are, are prepared to consider um, l- large parts of that of that deal, which largely remain shrouded in secrecy, so there may well be light at the end of the tunnel, but it isn't going to help in the short term. And one of one of the issues regarding this this ceasefire, if it comes, let's let's hope, right about the tenth of March, is 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 the dramatic and rapid um, uh, movement of of aid, food, water, medical supplies. into Gaza at at pace and at scale. Duncan, thank you very much for that analysis. That's Duncan Bolivant, who is CEO of the Henderson Risk Group and International Risk Management Advisory. Coming up later on News Talk, we hear from BBC journalist Paul Carter, who tried out a brand new bionic arm powered by AI. But next, we'll be chatting to Dermot Bannon about ways to keep your home warm. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am. On News Talk.